you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Please be seated. For you who are visiting with us, we're so grateful that you are here. And if you got one of those packets, inside that packet should have been an attendance card. Hopefully you filled those things out. If you'll pass those to the aisle at this time, we can collect those and have a record of your attendance. We are so grateful that you are here. Uh, stick around, if you will, and we will get a chance to get to know you and have a good time getting to know you this morning. As you and I focus in on God's Word this morning, we want to focus in on a sermon that changed the world, that being the sermon found in Acts chapter number 2. We're going to begin realistically where Michael read for us in Matthew chapter number 16 in order to get to Acts chapter 2. There is a promise given in Acts chapter 16 to Peter from Jesus the Christ telling him that he is going to have the opportunity to open the doors of the kingdom. What a great promise is given there. And I don't know how I would have done those things. I'm not exactly sure how I would have worded that particular sermon but there is an interesting uh, notation given to us in Matthew chapter 16. Peter doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't have to come up with a, a catchy title and, and a, a couple of great sentences to keep people's attention focused in. It will be the Holy Ghost of God who reveals to him every single word of that particular sermon. Turn over in your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter number 2. Before we get into the sermon, let's look at the setting of what's going on here. If we have to give ourselves a, a, a news date, this would be Pentecost, somewhere around 29 A.D. And you're looking at me strangely. I thought Jesus lived 33 years. Well, there's an interesting uh, mistake some years later, as we were calculating the calendar, four years went missing. So about 29, or if, if it makes you feel better, 33, doesn't really matter to us, does it? Doesn't really matter to me, 46 years ago, it didn't matter at all, did it? It's Pentecost, it's, it's 50 days after Jesus the Christ has been hung on a cross... It's been 50 days since that group of people were there saying the words, crucify him. It's been 50 days since he has been a public spectacle. That's what he was. And he was there writhing in pain and dying for our salvation. And uh, the, the city was there watching it, for the most part cheering it on. Fifty days is not a long time. A little less than eight weeks. You think they remember what happened 50 days ago? 
You think that's fresh on their minds? You think they understand when Peter stands up and eventually will say, you're the, you're the cause of this, uh, what he really means? In the first 13 verses, uh, we first run across the, the disciples who at this particular moment in time, around verse 3 and 4, are baptized with the Holy Ghost inside that house and are commissioned with a job of taking the gospel into the world. This is the only time in history in which this happens, and it happens in this house, in Jerusalem, this one time. And these men change their mindset from being followers now to being those who are sent. The word apostle, those who are sent. There's a sound in that house. It sounds like, and in my mind, this is, this is what I, I imagine. It may be completely wrong, but this is what I imagine. It sounds like a tornado, a rushing mighty wind. And then laid on top of them is the Holy Ghost himself and the gifts given to them that was specific for them so that they can open the church doors and so that they can establish this young church for the saving of all mankind. And then, seemingly, just as quickly as it falls on them, it leaves. Can you imagine what happens in that room after it leaves? And, and they're thinking... Well, that was kind of odd. What are we supposed to do now? They walk out from that room and they're on the southern side of, of where the temple would have been at that time. And the Bible will tell us there are at least 16 groups of people, 16 different nations represented at that particular day. There are so many there because this is one of the Jewish high days in which uh, they are required to be and be in Jerusalem and make those sacrifices. So there are a pile of folks. 100,000 would be a lot, wouldn't it? 500,000 would be a lot of people, wouldn't it? A million people would be a lot of people, wouldn't it? What if I told you somewhere around three or four million? Ladies and gentlemen, that's a pile of folks. There are people everywhere. And these men come out and, and, and they begin to start talking and the crowd begins to ask, what is going on here? What is happening with these people? Uh, there's probably a murmur campaign uh, and, and was, as the Bible would tell us, that some would say, no, these folks are just drunk. These folks are, are, are just talking out of their heads. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. And ladies and gentlemen, that's when this sermon begins. It was on an elevated platform much like this one, when that sermon began. There's a difference here in this room Versus in that place 
where that sermon took place. But I think we can remedy that difference. Do me a favor. Stand up. The difference is they were gathered around standing up listening to a sermon. They didn't have the opportunity to sit. Sometimes when I sit, I get nice and toasty and warm, and then my head gets heavy. Am I the only one? Let's see if we can understand this sermon. Now, I'm not good at preaching other people's sermons, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Then Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judah and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these men are not drunken as you suppose. Sing it. But the third hour of the day, but this is that day which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass that in the last day, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit. And they will prophesy. And I'll show wonders in heavens above and, and signs on earth beneath fire and blood and vapors of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come and it shall come to pass that whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Israel, hear these words. A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know him. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands you have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up. Having loosed the pains of death for it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, that I should not be moved. Therefore, did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, did my flesh also rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, and thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, which is both dead and buried, and in his sepulcher even unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with him an oath, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ 
to sit on the throne. Seeing this before he spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul would not be left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, this Jesus God hath raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, having our Father, or of our Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shown forth this which ye do now see and hear. For David's not ascended into the heavens. Uh, but he saith of himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make my enemy, thy enemies my footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard that, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and the rest of those apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And it would be Peter who would say to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, unto your children, unto all them that are far off, as many as the Lord shall call. That's a good sermon. Have a seat. You know what the results of that sermon is? The results of that sermon, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 47, is that 3,000 responded to what God would have mankind do. 3,000 were baptized into Christ where uh, through the water of baptism they accessed the blood of Jesus Christ. They began, became adopted into the family of God. And it is at that point in time in which the church begins. All because of this sermon. <laughs> you know what I thought when I, when I had the idea for this sermon, Thomas? You know what I thought? It worked once. Why can't it work again? Forget the fact that you think Peter is talking to some three million people wandering by him on these steps. Put yourself there and have Peter talking to you. You know why Jesus the Christ died, even though we can read about those signs and wonders and miracles that he did? You know why he died? Because of you. You know, I, I was born some 2,000 years past the, the, uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ, but I know this, my sin is what put him on that cross. All those years removed. All those thousands of miles removed. And I am still guilty of the blood was shed on that cross because of my sin. They heard the same sermon you heard. Probably better. 
They obeyed the commands of God. The church began to thrive right there. They learned how to worship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And then verse 47, praising God. There's all five acts of worship. They began to learn how to live properly. Where, where you read that, preacher? Save yourself from this untoward generation. You know what he's saying there? You better be different. You had better be something different from the world or you're going to be treated by God just like the world. Sometimes what we do is we'll read through that particular chapter. We'll read through that particular sermon. We may even read through it mentally with, with the emphasis where we want it to be and, and how we thought that sermon may have gone. Then we close up our New Testaments and say, boy, that was a great sermon. Never allowing the Word of God through the mouth of 12 apostles to change anything about our lives. Now, listen to me, brethren. That's terrible. There's no way you and I should be able to open up the pages of inspiration, read the very words of God and say, ah, that's a great book. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm not there 2,000 years ago. Why exactly do you think this book was preserved the way it was by God for us? If it can't touch us and change us, why did he keep it for us? Just to let us know about some kind of history that happened wherever we don't live? If the results happened that way in the first century, I'll guarantee you this. They can happen that way in the 21st century. But it all depends on how you respond to it. It all depends on how I respond to it. They, they say the first one is the best. Perhaps that's the case. Well, this morning you've heard the first one. How is it that you're going to respond? You've heard it from the mouth of an apostle, not me, but Peter. Do you believe it? This, this is a pivotal point. Don't blow past this idea. Don't move past this so quickly and say, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Do you believe it? Yes or no? With everything that you have, do you believe the words of Peter? So many times throughout the book of Acts, what we read is some people did and changed. And other, people's, other people did not. They stayed right where they are. Do you believe it? Do you believe that, that God will 
reward the righteous, will, will punish the wicked. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 8, in verse number 24? Where Jesus said, unless you believe that I am. Notice how he finishes this sentence. You will die in your sin. Not a question about it. An emphatic statement. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that God is a rewarder, and you believe the sermon of Peter that was given to him by the inspiration of God, what are you going to do with it? Would you follow the instructions of Peter? Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 38, would you repent? Will you change? The fruit of what happens in repentance lets everyone around you know if you really do believe. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, let me ask you this question. Do you have an apple tree if it doesn't produce apples? You got a tree. I don't know what kind of tree it is, but apple trees produce apples, don't they? And the glaring, obvious exception is the Bradford pear, right? The way folks around you know that you believe what God said is when you change your life, period. I don't, it doesn't get any itter than that, ladies and gentlemen. That's repentance. That's looking at the way I'm doing things and saying, Billy, you've really messed this up. You have really uh, gone far beyond yourself. What if you started doing things the way God wanted you to? What if you started looking at life the way God wanted you to? What if you started treating folks and treating family and treating life the way God would want you to? That's repentance. A change of mind which results in a change of behavior. Repentance. Would you be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ? It would be Jesus who would say in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I love the little word, the. One and only, to the exclusion of every other. I am the way, Jesus would say. If you turn that coin over, here's what you'll hear. And there is no other way. I am the life, and there is no other life. I am the truth, and there is no other truth. And no man come to the Father except through me. Would you believe Peter, an inspired apostle? Would you believe the Son of God who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe that sermon at all? Why not be baptized, just as Peter said in that same sermon, Acts chapter 2, and verse 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins in order to obtain the remission of your sins, and you'll be given the gift of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? I'm not exactly sure. But I do know this, that promise that was given to them, the next verse, verse number 39, is for you and for your children and for all them that are far off, 
I like the phrase, all them that are far off. You know why? Because that's us. Not only is it, is it beneficial for those who are right there, not only is it beneficial for those children who are right there who may not be amenable just yet, but years, centuries, millennia removed, mileage removed, I am still able to access the salvation of God given through the blood of Jesus Christ if I do what He says. What an easy process. To become a child of God. What an easy process. Listen to what Peter says. Do those things. Look about verse number 40 or 41. I'm not exactly sure where we're at. It's right around that area. 40 or 41. I want to shift gears for just a moment and uh, leave the one who may have not put on Christ in baptism. And I want to shift gears toward those who probably already have, those within this particular room. That was not the case in, in Peter's sermon. Would you like to know why? It's the first one. They hadn't had opportunity yet. But now we have. With many other words, Peter would say, and the rest, save yourself from this untoward generation. Remember we spoke about that being different from the world? Sometimes. Sometimes what we do is put on Christ with every good intention that we have, and then we find out later on as we're walking that we don't want to be so different from the world. And we begin to move ourselves back over to that side because it's comfortable. Because we're used to it. Because it's easier. We find ourselves moving away from the cross and closer to the world until literally those who look at our lives can't tell the difference between us and any other person walking through this world. Save yourself. Child of God, unfaithful child of God, this is me speaking to you directly. Listen to what I have to say. You need to save yourself from that untoward generation. Get back to the cross. Stop walking through world, planting Your, your wild oats, and then coming here Sunday praying for crop failure. Live for Jesus the Christ on Monday, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and use those six days to prepare for today. 
Eternally speaking, you don't get any uh, head nods from God for checking a box off that you were here on this day. Well, he, was, he, he, he sat in that seat Sunday. He did a very good job. He didn't fall asleep one time. Sunday is a symptom of the week. Sunday lets us all know how your week went. If you've never put on Christ in baptism, listen to the words of the apostle and do those things today. Do you have a better option? Do you, have, do you have a more fitting option on the table? A child of God, if you've done those things and yet neither the world nor the church can distinguish you from, beside from being a, a worldly person, get back to the cross. Listen to the first sermon. Simply do what it says. And the results will be the same. The results will be the same. It's up to you to decide right now while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Have you been through?